Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. Welcome back to Believe in Colts. I'm Lawrence Owen. With me, as usual, are my guys, Gerard Powers, Rodney McLeod, and the championship weekend is over. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our Super Bowl team. We have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles facing off for this year's NFL championship. Guys, how have you been this week? I've been good, man. I've been good. It was an interesting weekend of football uh, with the conference championships, just how the games went. But, no, I've been good. No complaints. No complaints. Yeah, I'm doing well myself. Uh, you know, now into that offseason phase. Uh, actually hooped this morning, getting back into that groove <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, you know, early morning runs before the day gets started just to stay active. But, all is well, man. Uh, got some good stuff ahead. Vacation next week. Looking forward to getting away uh, for a little bit uh, and just relax. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of money. A lot of people really ticked off um, over the refereeing uh, this this past weekend. And honestly, uh, a lot of that, a lot of people seem to put a lot of connection between the refereeing and, you know, sports gambling. But I do want to let you guys know that uh, Bet Online still remains your number one sport, uh, source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL to bowl seasons to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, leagues, and events. Head to betonline.ag to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. So what do you guys think about uh, the refereeing this, this past weekend? There was a lot of question marks when it comes to some of the calls and non-calls that happened, uh, especially in one specific game uh, that we watched this past weekend, Gerard. Uh, I mean, it, it plays a part in a way, but at that same token, I mean, you can pick and choose plays from both sides that should have been called that, uh, either that was a bad call or however you want to look at it. So, I mean, even though the, the refs can kind of seem, I guess, bad from a fan's point of view, I think where I get frustrated with is just the consistency. Like, if you're going to call the game bad, call it, call everything bad. Don't just call certain, uh, I guess, circumstances or just because it's certain players that goes this way and not the other way. So I think that, that's where the confusion comes because when it comes to professionals, they can adjust and adapt to however the game is being called. It's just a matter of being called in a consistent way. Rodney? Yeah, I, I think, you know, when it comes to refereeing, you know, the human error side of it, you know, definitely plays a, a factor, uh, you know, speed of the game, 
there's a lot of factors that determine the the, the outcome right in that particular player or, or why the ref called it. Um, you know, you you just hate when you get into these these sorts of games where you see play calling how uh, you know magnified those calls are and how much they can really uh, shift a game. You know, you look at the the Eagles and um, San Fran game fourth and three. You know what I'm saying? They call it a catch on the field. And um, that pretty much is the difference in the game. You know, you, you think about it, if they call it incomplete. Um, momentum, you know, you know everything. The momentum shifts. You know, you now have 49ers with the ball at the 50-yard line, and maybe Purdy doesn't even get hurt, right? And then you look at the Chiefs game, uh, that, that one call where everybody literally was drinking water and had to come <laughs> back out on the field. That, you know, that's tough. Gerard knows as, no a, as a defender, you know, especially when you're playing the best quarterback in the league in Mahomes, you do not want to give him another another opportunity to extend the drive. And so uh, I, I felt the frustration from the Bengals. Uh, and, it, it, yeah, it was just, you know, it's interesting. And a, few, a lot of people obviously are talking about the cause and how do we hold referees more accountable, uh, maybe even getting them on the microphone after the game. <laughs> so I they think can that speak would be their piece as well. Uh, to, to I, I think really to for everybody to get more of an understanding um, of their position on the field. And it's a difficult spot. I, I do not want to be a referee, uh, especially if there's a uh, NFC championship or Super Bowl uh, situation. I, I don't want, uh, you know, those fans to, to, um, you know, hold me accountable uh, for whether a team win or lost. So it's a tough position, but maybe we could find a way to hold them more accountable and, and just listen and, and learn a little bit more from them. You know, you know how the NFL has always been about making the product better. You know, every year they want to expand, grow, whether it's from the revenue side, they want the product on the field to look better and better each year. I think when it comes to officiating, it might be the only thing about the NFL product and brand that's just hasn't like. I guess, continue to upgrade, uh, if that makes sense. It, it, it just seems like in this world of technology, like we should almost be on top of uh, making sure that the game is called how it's supposed to be called, just with everything mm -hmm. that we can do from a technology standpoint. So uh, I, I definitely feel like that might be the only thing that's lacking from a, con like almost from an ex expected uh level to where we expect the refs now to just blow a call or just you know be the reason uh, or the main focus of the game rather than the players so uh it definitely needs some upgrading in that that department of of the brand yeah definitely my my biggest issue i mean okay so from my standpoint it frustrates me when I get on social media, like immediately after the Kansas City Bengals game, the, the hashtag NFL rigged was everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it was like they honestly believe that the NFL has already got these games scripted out and they know who's going to win before the snap, even, you know, the, 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 the coin flip happens. Right. Area and I'm Foster, like, come you know? on. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I, I get I get that some of these calls that. They, they, you know, you're, you're looking at Kansas City, like the, the, in the Kansas City game, you had like three penalties right in a row that, that gave the Chiefs, you know, an opportunity to continue mm -hmm. their drive, right? Um, you, you had, you know, the situation like you were talking about in the, in the San Francisco game. I get that some of these things happen. But as a Colts fan, I remember two years ago, the Colts were like first and goal from the five-yard line and had 
four holding calls called against them back to back to back to back. <laughs> and they couldn't even get a field. They were out of field goal range by the time that I remember happened. that. Right? <laughs> I mean, it happens. It happens. And now I get that sometimes uh, I get where both of you guys come from about the whole, uh, you know, consistency, right? If you're going to call it that, if, if you're going to call this for this team, call it for that team, side, yeah. right? I mean, it, it, it just is what it is. How many times uh, where, where you saw um, a holding call um, uh, against the Bengals and then you go over and look at the Chiefs and th- they'd show this on social media, different clips with the exact same hold, you know, the arm bar across the chest, you know, the choke hold, and it wasn't called against them. You know, you got to call it for everybody. All right. And, and, and I, I get I don't understand the holding call. Now, I understand also that holding, you know, you, you ask an offensive lineman, it happens on every play in every game, right? Uh, somewhere on that offensive yeah. line, there's a hole. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I understand you kind of got to, does it affect the play? How egregious is it? That type of situation. But there's also, there's, there's what, only one back judge, right? I mean, how, how many referees are sitting there staring at the offensive line trying to figure out who's making a holding call or whatnot, you know, that kind of situation? I mean, one guy can't watch the whole, you know, offensive line, in my opinion. I, that'd be kind of difficult, wouldn't it? No, nah, it would. But I, I feel like where some of the refs, like, are, are at fault is they get caught up in the game instead of just worrying about, like, their exact job. Because every ref on the field has a uh, – part and what are they looking at we're looking looking at the box we're looking at the back end like everybody's looking at something and i just think sometimes the refs get like so just caught up within the game that you know a lot of these calls kind of be blind almost almost like off of a field like oh was that was that pass interference like it felt Mm -hmm. like a pass interference let me call Mm -hmm. it rather than really just focusing on their job so i mean but it is what it is it may it's it's part of what makes our game exciting as well because we can sit there as a defender sometimes and know that we did something illegal or or something and a ref might just come and give you like a little warning you know and that that'd be real appreciative like from our standpoint so um you know, it's all about feel, but as a player, you kind of do got to develop relationships. I remember I used to go and speak to uh, all the rest before the game, like in warmups. Hey, like, what's up, my man? Like, how we calling it today? You going to let us be physical? Like, just having casual casual conversations. And uh, and it seems to help the relationship as the game go, because now the rest feel like they can talk to you like a normal human being, when sometimes when our emotions get caught up in it, you get a lot of just reactions off emotional type of, uh, I guess, big moments of the game. But I used to try to work the refs in every ass. I'm talking about from the time I walked in warm-ups. If they was out there, (laughs) I'm going to talk to them, man. Like, hey, what kind of 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 SEC guy? Yeah, I'm one of them guys. I'm one of them. Yeah. I need all the help I can when I'm out there. The report. Yep. (laughs) The report. report. (laughs) I know know what they rank. I got an SEC guy right here. Yeah. Yes, sir. I got an Auburn guy. I think, yeah. For me, I think it was only like one ref that I I really spoke to often a couple times because I found out he was a, a Dematha alum of my, of my high school. So outside of that, I kind of just played it cool. You know, if they say something to me, all right, 
Uh, but normally it was it was me getting after him for not calling something. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I used those. to try to I used to try to butter him up a little bit. I used to always yeah. feel like, man, if I can just get a conversation with him in the heat of the oh, game, yeah. I know I can talk to him now. Like we exactly. ain't already it might spare you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like you said, sure. hey, you know, hey, watch the hands right there. I, I didn't call yeah, it, but exactly. You know what I'm saying? Just keep <laughs> you your appreciate hands a those. Lower. Yeah, you, you definitely, definitely do. So All you right, do get tips from these refs. Oh uh, yeah, some, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, like, some, like yeah. Y'all go ahead, Rodney. Yeah, you've been in it. No, I've been, I, I've been I, I out like, five. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the same. It's the same. You know, they, they'll let you. It all depend on the, the type of refs you get. Guys will let you play, and obviously they'll give you a warning if you get. You know, if they feel like you're getting a little egregious uh, with it. But you know, you got some guys who you know respect and understand the game that much. Where they're like, look, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't call it necessarily on that play. It was minimal, but you know, next time yeah. I, I might have to like, or just watch the, the way you target your where you place your hands. You know, that might have been might have mm -hmm. been a little too high right there, or you kind of were in that gray area. I know it's no contact after after five, but you made contact at seven. You know, I, you were standing your ground though, so I, I didn't call it. So <laughs> I, I was given, just about to say that I got yeah. an example where I was talking to a ref. And uh, you kind of go back to like the rule book when you have some of these conversations like, hey, ref, he pushing off like I'm holding my ground and the rules that say I can hold my ground. And yeah. then he might say like, all right, that arm got to extend. He might give you some type of pointer to where this is how I'm going to call that if he's doing that. So it just yeah. lets you know how to play the game. That's why I mean, like these professionals can adjust mid game if they know how the game is about to be called. So mm -hmm. how many times you guys go up to a ref and go, dude, how'd you miss the extended elbow? How did you oh, miss yeah, that you extended to, yeah. arm? <laughs> yeah, you got to. I think it was a Giants game this year. I clearly on the end around to Daniel Jones, like I it was a clear clipping, like blocking the back by the lineman. I'm like, bro, what are you looking like? What are you looking at? I'm not on the ground for no reason right here. Like, like I'm clearly about to make the play. And then they just hit you with the my bad. And that's when you just walk off. Like, all right, yeah. bro, you know what? And, and so that's what I'm talking about, where they hit you with the human know, element. My bad. I yeah, missed that I one. Did, I, did, I missed that one. Hey, bro, that's a huge play. They just scored. Like, how'd you miss it? <laughs> Man. Oh, wow. Well, um, with this episode, oh, shoot. Wow. We're already quite a bit into this episode. Let's go ahead and actually get into the game. I want to talk about the very first one. Uh, Eagles, Niners. And I'll tell you what, last week I said Eagles were going to win by two scores. I said that on the on the show, and they did. All right. Yeah, now, but you didn't say that I it was going to have to have CM, CMs <laughs> C at quarterback. No, right? no. I mean, I, I was surprised. I mean, after Josh Johnson went out, I was like, oh, my goodness. Are they going to have Debo Samuel quarterback and what? You know? Man, no, nah, you're right. You no, know, on, that, on that play, as it happened, I looked at my wife. I said, he got a concussion. Like, I'm talking about, I saw as soon as it happened, I was like, man, they about to be down bad now. It's a wrap. And then they threw Brock back in there. I was like, oh, man, this could go left right here. <laughs> man, I, I really thought, I thought maybe the, the GM or the owner, you know, called down. Hey, look, like, son, man. you got to get, hey, you better get back in there. If you, if you want that, if you want that contract, this is, this is the go to the bowl, son. We need you back in there. But yeah, I, I think, Looking at that game, uh, there's a lot to to like take away from that game. Obviously, you know the Eagles didn't have to play four quarters, you know, with the loss of uh, Purdy, and I, I think that had a huge impact on the game. 
uh, Gerard to tell you, man, when you now have the backup quarterback coming in and it's not uh, someone like a Nick Foles, right? It, it's, you know, Josh Johnson, mm-hmm. no disrespect to him, but just the lack of experience. And you can see, you know, immediately when he came in the game, you know, that that relieved a lot of stress off the defense as a whole. Uh, definitely the pass rush, but more so in the back end. Um, you know, at that point, you're like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm anticipating an, an interception. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so uh, it's 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 upsetting, you know, when you see a, a championship game, uh, you you know, you you want to have some sort of like, you wanted to be competitive and, and, and just same game that we received from the Bengals and chiefs. And, you know, unfortunately that didn't happen, but I think one thing that we did see is the battle was won in the trenches. Uh, the, the ability of the pass rush, uh, Asan Reddick new addition brought in, man, he was wrecking havoc all day. And he was the reason why they had to go to uh, Josh Johnson and potentially, you know, McCaffrey was going to come in as well as we said, but he was the reason that D line was a factor. And then on the other side, uh, Nick Bosa and that, and, and, and the boys were non-factor all game. Uh, you know, I think O-line did a real good job at controlling the line of scrimmage run and pass game. And then obviously, you know, Jalen, when he had to escape in the pressure uh, with his legs. So that, that was a big surprise to me. I still commend the San Fran defense, man, because they held up for a very long time. And, and I truly believe if, Purdy's in there. It's a completely different game. Uh, but you know, you gotta credit your um, you know, gotta credit the Eagles, man. All they could do is play who's in front of them and they dominated. Uh now, you know, they 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 got opportunity to win it all. I do want to say one thing though. I want to credit the Eagles defense on this specific situation. The the Niners are no their entire offense is built around getting the ball to their playmakers in space, whether it's behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, just beyond the line of scrimmage, let their playmakers create, you know, yardage after the catch. And the Eagles defense did a great job of swarming to the ball and making tackles. And that I don't it I, I to me, it doesn't matter what quarterback is sitting there. If you could swarm to the ball and make a sure tackle, then you know at that point uh, you got to credit the defense at some point rather than just, you know, well, Purdy wasn't in the game. You know what I mean by that? No, I, I know what you mean, and they play yeah. good. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> trust me, like when, when you know what plays coming, it's a different type of confidence you have when making those plays. Mm-hmm. So when so as a defender, when you know you're down to like your fourth quarterback that just got there a few weeks ago, can't run this type of system how it needs to be ran, like what you see is really what you get. Like when you're yeah. reading your keys, like it has to be this type of play just because they – like I know as a defender, Josh Johnson don't know this offense like yeah. Purdy knows it or like Garoppolo yeah. or or whoever else was the quarterback that's been there the whole time. So as a defender, you're calling plays that you probably wouldn't call if Purdy is in the game. Like, hey, y'all one-on-one on the outside. They, they're not going to throw the ball. This is We're about to put eight in the box. We're about to blitz this guy right. and do this and do that. So uh Philly's defense did what they supposed to do. I'm not trying to discount them and not say that they didn't play, you know, good football. But as a defender, I know the type of confidence I have when it's certain guys in the game. So uh, that that helps. That helps to that point. Okay, so that allows you to like jump 
jump routes, jump reads, things yeah. of that nature. That's, you that's know? what I mean. Like what you see is what you get. Like okay. whatever you're reading, if that's what it is, like trust it a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, they're, they're limited. You know, you got to think at that point in time when Josh Johnson comes in, you know, Kyle Shanahan now he, he doesn't have the same uh, plays, you know, call for Josh Johnson. You know, he now has to structure the game around, you know, maybe what he's most comfortable at. And mm-hmm. that could be, you know, in comparison to Purdy, that could have been 30. And now for, for Josh Johnson, that's 10, you know, 10 plays. And so, you know, what is the comfortability level of also exposing him, right? And and putting him in situation where he has to drop back and throw the ball outside, you know, down the field, uh, when especially when you're going against, you know, a, a great uh, set of cornerbacks like the Eagles have, you know, you, you're just a little fearful um, to put him in those situations. And so what is easy? It's easier to hand the ball off, like you said, put the ball in Debo and McCaffrey's hands in space, whether hand the ball off or screens, but that's what the Eagles defense are expecting you to do. Uh, they don't expect you to really throw the ball down the field now, uh, you know, probably no more than 15 yards. So mm-hmm. it, it's just a different feel, like Gerard said. And, and like, we're not discrediting the Eagles defense. You know, they they played the way that they were supposed to in that moment. That's that's what you should do uh, as a, a good defense. But, you know, it, it, was, it, it wasn't the same um, – uh, style of quarterback and uh, the capabilities weren't there, you know, now with Josh Johnson having to come into the game. Okay. Okay. Well, Rodney, it's the off season for you and you are back home now in Philly, right? Yeah. I'm back what's, here. What's, what's the atmosphere like out there right now, man? I, it's gotta be electric, right? I mean, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. Two, two Super Bowls, five years. All the, all the fans, man, are, are super excited about this team and, and what they have the opportunity to do, you know, next week, uh, they have they have the ability to win, you know, their the second uh, Super Bowl in, in franchise history, which is which is big, uh, like you said, and and really a team that everyone you know doubted and and, and didn't expect to even be in this position, uh, especially this young coaching staff that they have and young quarterback. So uh, they're they're riled up, man. They they got everything ready to go. Um, trying to figure out how they can get to the Super Bowl, uh, but it's 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 exciting to be you know a Philly fan, and of course uh, here in the city. Uh, I, I mean, for the guys, they can't do no wrong right now, and just the morale as a city, you know, is very high. So um, there's no bad days here. <laughs> I so tell so tell me this because I mean you know Philly people. I mean you're a resident, you live in Philly. How is it going to how the reception is going to be for Andy Reid? I can't wait to hear some of the stories that comes out from, you know, his Philly days and all that. But how would he be received uh, from the Philly fans up to kickoff, you think? I think they uh, adore Andy uh, for, you know, his time here and, and what he was able to to do. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure where he stands at as at, uh, far as his position within the uh, franchise as far as like when his coaches. Uh, but I know he has to be up there. You know, I, I think the biggest mm-hmm. thing for him was he wasn't able to to win the Super Bowl here, of course. But many uh, NFC championships and division titles, uh, the banners that we see, you know, that I saw hanging in and in, in, up in the stadium and around the facility were because of him. And so I, I think they're very uh, they still have a uh, soft spot for Andy Reid here. 
But of course, he's across enemy lines. So uh, they're hoping that, you know, they're hoping that he can kind of, I guess, relive some of his unfortunate moments here in Philly where he wasn't able to uh, win it, uh, you know, when the moment uh, counted the most. But uh, it's going to be a good game. You know, Andy Reid's one of the, I think, best offensive coaches in the league. He's done it for a long time and will continue to do it. Uh, and so I'm excited to see this matchup. So speaking of Andy Reid, uh, we move on to the Kansas City Chiefs game and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I want to go back to before the season started when Gerard talked about – Gerard and I were talking about this Kansas City Chiefs team and how Gerard was saying, I still think they're going to be really good. I still think mm-hmm. they're going to be uh, uh, in it for the Super Bowl. They're just going to look different. And mm-hmm. th- he pointed out this is going to be a more physical team. And to me, mm. it sure as heck looked like that in the AFC Championship game. Their defense was out there just lighting up players left yeah. and right, you know. And th- I think that right there, that th- you know, the the physicality that they brought mm-hmm. on defense, especially in the secondary. You know, whenever there was a contested catch, it was bam, light up the the receiver right at the point of contact. And boy, oh boy, I feel like that was one of the big points and the reason why Kansas City won that game. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think uh, at some point when whoever does like a little dock of of the Chiefs run, you know, these past, I guess, four or five years since Pat Mahomes been there, I think it's going to be kind of cool to kind of see how they've looked in in. I guess just the different teams. I mean, you got to, they used to look like, um, I don't want to call it flashy, but you know, it just used to be shot after shot to where they just look like the most electrifying team in the NFL. And then all of a sudden you lose a few guys. And uh, I mean, one of your main guys, obviously in Tyreek Hill, I mean, it's going to change your identity. It's going to make you have to be good at something else. And um, when they first was good or that first little dynasty run that they had, well, I can't call it a dynasty unless you win three, right? Can we call the Chiefs run like that little era right now, dynasty? No, that's going too far. Yeah, that's yeah. going too far. Well, <laughs> their good run that they've been having you just, right you now. You just picked off every Kansas City fan out there. I'll tell you that. Right <laughs> if they win it, I think people are going to have to talk about it. This is what, their fourth time in five years? No, their third time in five years of being in the yeah. bowl, right? Being there. Being yeah. there. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But um, I, I just think, you know, they had to become good at something. And it used to be that their defense wasn't up to par to the offense. So all their struggles, everybody just used to blame it on the defense. Then you go get Tyron Matthew. He go and change their identity a little bit. So they just, you know, kept building on, building on some of those leaders that used to be in that room and just kept adding to it. And now they look different and they look like, you know, the, the better football team kind of heading to this game a little bit to me. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's one thing that really stood out to me is the, their style of play now and how they're uh, winning games. And you look at the uh, two games, I guess, that they played on uh, these playoffs and they really had to grind and, and work uh, for it. And, and I used to look at the chief defense as a, a bend but don't break you know, mm-hmm. style defense, especially, you know, when you had, like you said, the weapons, you, you know, the the main guy, Tyreek Hill, um, and and they could just score so quickly, you know what I'm saying, in the blink of an eye. And now, you like you said, they, they've lost that. And so they had to be able to adjust. 
And I think that's what makes, you know, Andy Reid and Mahomes, you know, who they are. You know, we're, we're potentially looking at, you know, the next, you, you know, potential duo of, of, some, mm. of some similarity to a, a Brady and maybe a Belichick, uh, you know, with Andy Reid being kind of an offensive guru instead of the defensive uh, mindset. But, you know, when you have uh, the skill sets at that quarterback position and you trust him and, you know, he can make the guys around him better – I think you feel comfortable, uh, unfortunately, getting rid of a guy like Tyreek Hill. And mm. to me, I really thought they would struggle this year. And it's been uh, surprising. Uh, they surprised me in, in so many ways. And I think it is because of the level of, of, of defense that they're playing, being able to get stops, um, you know, not not timely stops, but consistent stops throughout the game. Uh, and when it matters the most, and then obviously on the other side, the Mahomes and, and Kelsey, um, also the running back, man, 10 is coming alive. Uh, you know, he's really giving them a different sort of physicality and energy uh, to that offense that they didn't necessarily have. I, I think maybe the guy from LSU kind of brought that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget the gentleman's name, but you see that spark. And so I think that'll be – the one of the reasons why they win this game, if they can get him going, uh, you know, early on and 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 then open it up, you know, that'll that'll be very helpful for them. So I got a question. Uh, you mentioned, you know, obviously the honey badger not being on the Chiefs anymore. I'm 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 curious. Are there players in the NFL? where when they have a stint with a team, whether it's one, two, three, four years on a team, and then they leave, their impact from being on that team exceeds the time that they spend on that team, like their, you know, w- what they brought to that team, uh, you know, personality-wise. No, I get exactly what you're saying. I mean, just look at the Ravens. Why do we look at the Ravens how we look at the Ravens every year? I mean, they've had guys that left legacy like this is how mm-hmm. we play football over here. And and that's what teams kind of build on like for, for years or for that whole entire like this is who we are once you figure it out. I just feel like when Tyron, by the time Tyron came to the Chiefs, he gave the defense some type of identity, like respect mm-hmm. us too. Uh, and he brought that energy. So when he leaves, you know, you keep everything that you learn from great players like that. And I'm sure, let's just say Rodney decides that he wants to play and he signed somewhere else, he's going to leave some type of imprint, whether it's with the youngins, whether it's with some of the coaches that were still in that room, still there, that, nah, this is how this is how we play or this is our expectations. Great players like Rodney McLeod set, you know, this type of standard. So you just add to, you know, the legacy once you realize what type of players that you have in your room uh, and it's on. And I think the Chiefs has done a good job and just – trying to build on every great player they've had through this little run that they've been in. Is there any players, Rodney, that through your time has had that lasting impact on you or the team around you even after they've been gone? Yeah, I think about, you know, the Eagles, you know, when I when I came there in 2016, really understanding the, uh, the standard uh, that I was walking into, right, and really – embracing uh, everything that comes with being an Eagle. And I think, you know, you're constantly reminded of that when you walk through the, the, the hallways in the facility of all the, the greatness um, and great players that have come before you and what the, what 
is expected uh you know when you step into and put that you know that that eagles uniform on especially as a defender you know you're representing the brian dawkins of the world Mm. and for me it was you know a guy like malcolm jenkins who was already there before me and somebody that i was able to um spend a lot of time with obviously and kind of learn from you you know up close and personal over you know, my my five years that we shared the field together. And then so it was like, man, this now what I've learned from you and the the what you said, I'm now going to continue that right now. I'm going to take the baton and I'm going to carry it. And that's what I did the last two years that I was w- without him. And then going into going into now leaving the team, I felt like I passed it off to you know, my guy Slay and, and Vontae who are over there and they remind me of that, like, man, I, I'm I'm extremely grateful for everything that, you know, what you instilled in us, you know what I'm saying, the imprint that mm-hmm. you left and the standard that you set, right? Like, and now it's on us to keep it going regardless, you know, you hear like we know what we need to do and how the defensive back group is, is, is looked at here in Philly and the defense as a whole. And it's a culture, right? Yep. And so I, I think that's what, you know, Gerard's talking about. And that's what makes, you know, some of the guys like Tyron Matthew, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, the Slaves of the World so great is, you know, their leadership capabilities and how they can impact um, not only guys when they're there, but also when you leave. So it, I, I don't make any kind of hiding about it. Uh, my, my favorite player of the Colts all time is Dwight Freeney, number 93. Obviously, you know, opposite him, Robert Mathis, number 98. Uh, but I, I love the trenches. I, I love the pass. I love just the, the defensive line aspect in general. Um, but what opened my eyes was one of those greats from Philly. It was the guy who my favorite player all time, number 92. All right. Reggie White. Reggie White. That that mm-hmm. that man was unbelievable. And people want to remember him as a Green Bay Packer. I remember him as a Philadelphia Eagle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got into him. And he was an absolute beast out there. And I absolutely yeah. loved Reggie. Um all right, I think that's that's gonna do it for this episode. We will break down the Super Bowl uh early next week. Um, and, and talk about a few other things. I, I, there was a few, there's a few things we haven't gotten into. We will we'll probably talk a little bit about uh, next week, like the Sean Payton trade, stuff of that oh, nature, yeah. some of the Colts head coaching searches, things of that. Uh, but uh, any final words before we, we end this episode, guys? I'm good. I'm good, man. Wish I was going on vacation like Rodney. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Man, shoot. I wish I was playing in that Super Bowl, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you regretting? Are you regretting? Man, um, man all I know really? is that they they ain't right, they ain't write our script right this year. That's what we're gonna say. <laughs> <They're that script. laughs> all right, guys. I'm Lawrence Owen. That was Gerard Powers and Rodney McLeod. This was Believe in Colts brought to you by Bet Online. And as usual, go Colts. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.